turn me up in my headphones. Check, check, two, 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 two. Hey, hey, hey. It's Vince in the Bay Bay podcast. This episode, I have returning guest Richard Henderson, global security strategist at Absolute. Richard spoke with me at RSA 2018 in San Francisco about dark endpoints, GDPR, SDR, that's software defined radio. Also, the DEFCON ham radio fox hunt he's planning to put on this summer, and more stuff. Enjoy. Hey, 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 it's Vince in the Bay here at RSA. 2018 with Richard Henderson of Absolute Software. Thanks for having me back, Vince. It's awesome to see you again. Good to see you too. And Richard, you are the global security strategist or a a global security strategist or the global security strategist at Absolute. There are many global security strategists in the world, but this one is mine. To, to okay. paraphrase Arlie Emery, rest in peace. Okay. What brings you here to RSA? What, um, what are you working on right now? So this is my ninth RSA in a row. Um, I love coming to San Francisco. Um, it's one of my favorite places in the world. Um, but yeah, I'm here just to um, uh, see what's going on in the industry, talk to uh, you know people who are interested in what we're doing at Absolute. I'm spending some time um, sharing some of the results of a, of a study uh, I, I just finished authoring uh, a few weeks ago on uh, some statistical trends in uh, endpoint security. Uh, we call it the, the Dark Endpoint Insights Report. And what it is is really um, I took a, an anonymous sample of data from about 500, 600,000 endpoint devices around the world from customers of all shapes and sizes and verticals and took a good look at you know how some some key key things are being used or not used properly on endpoint devices. So so I found some really interesting stats that uh, might open up a couple eyes. So for example, encryption. You know when I first got started in tech, encryption was uh, a nice to have. It wasn't a need to have. Encryption uh, had a crazy amount of processor overhead. Ten, fifteen years ago, no one full disk encrypted their their endpoint devices. They just couldn't afford the the, the the CPU power to 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 encrypt everything. Well, now that's not really the case anymore. Um, the processor overhead is for most uh, you know if you think about it, it's it's very very small in, in relation to what it used to be. So there's no excuse for you not to fully encrypt all your endpoint devices. Of the six hundred thousand devices I looked at. Around 90% of devices had an encryption agent installed on them. And we looked at you know, corporations and enterprises, so it's not unexpected to see that. But of that 90%, something like maybe just over half weren't actually encrypting anything. They didn't turn the agent on. They installed the agent, but they never turned anything on. So that's... You know, there's a couple of reasons for that. In some cases, when you do mass deployments in the enterprise, you turn off encryption just to simplify things and then you forget to turn them back on you got a million other things you got to get done and you forget to go back and, and flip the switch you know figuratively another key thing is that windows 10 pro comes with bitlocker out of the box and then maybe some sysadmins don't realize it's there and don't turn it on you know you might want to ask yourself well why do i care i honestly don't care yeah. So convince me. Okay. Well, why, why, why would you care that your encryption is not on on your endpoint devices? And, you know, it's a legitimate question. 
um, I started looking around at the types of data that we find on some of those devices. A subset of our customers use another uh, tool that we, we, we use that can identify at-risk or sensitive or regulated data on those endpoint devices. So, for example, PFI, PHI, so personal financial information, personal health information, credit card numbers, social security numbers, or even custom data that's unique to that customer. So for example, if you're a customer and working on a top secret project called Project Phoenix. I don't know what Project Phoenix well, is. If, if How did you find out about my Project Phoenix? Maybe I should encrypt everything. Do you have my product on your device? Because uh, that would explain it. I'm, uh, I'm going to have to look into that. Okay, right, continue. So, I, I, I interrupted you. So Project Phoenix. Great project, by the way, but now it's... It's ruined. It's ruined now. <sighs> um, if you've got a bunch of... Um, custom data types that you want to monitor for, for example, Project Phoenix, documents that mention Project Phoenix, whatever. You can create um, a custom search and find all the devices inside your enterprise that have data relating to that project on those devices. It's a great way to keep track of how information moves through your enterprise. Um, with the exception of the education vertical, every other vertical we looked at, it was in the magnitude of 70% of all those endpoint devices had some sensitive or regulated data on them. That's a problem. Is it a big problem? Well, we started doing some looking into um, how big of an issue device loss or device theft is in the enterprise today. And I read a Forrester report that said 6% of all laptops go missing or get stolen every single year. I mean, you think 6%, well, that's pretty small. But when you think 6% of 500 million laptops or whatever it is that we sell every year, that's a lot of devices. And the dozens, fact that, dozens, <laughs> dozens, tens of tens. Yeah. Um, I think about what that means. If 70% of your devices have sensitive or regulated data on them and 6% of devices go missing, the chances of that device that goes missing having regulated data on it is pretty high. Now, for device with regulated data on it goes missing or is stolen, and you can't verify that the device was fully encrypted before it was lost or stolen, in most cases that triggers a breach notification because you can't guarantee that data didn't get viewed or used or abused if it doesn't just show up online in a dump somewhere. If you can guarantee that the device was fully encrypted and no one could access the data on the device, you may be able to avoid a breach notification. So, um, you know, we think about in the last couple of years how crazy things have gotten with the quantity and, and velocity of data breaches. I think a lot of companies are out there thinking about what can we do to keep our name out of the headlines? What can we do to not trigger a mandatory breach notification? You think about, you know, GDPR is literally a month away. GDPR? G D P P R. Okay. 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 That's a little bit different than a D P R K, right? Not quite the same thing. Uh, subtle difference. Very anyway, subtle. Anyway, yeah. Um, so, G D P R is the forefront of privacy legislation in the world. Um, the EU's put privacy first for a long time, but it stands to reason that many forward-thinking nations or states in the U.S. may start to mirror the types of consumer-focused or consumer-first privacy legislations that you're seeing coming out of the EU, and that will mean tighter rules around breach notification and, and a duty of care to be able to protect data, especially customer data. You may not have a choice to make sure that all your devices are encrypted anymore. Um, I'm very curious to see what the next 12 months look like 
because I think some companies and enterprises are going to take it very seriously and they're going to implement whatever they need to to get it done. And then some are just going to say, ah, I don't care. Well, GDPR, while if you're an American company, who cares, right? Well, you should care because if you're touching any EU citizen data whatsoever, you need exclusive opt-in to use that data in the ways you used to use them. You need to provide a significant level of protection beyond what you may have been used to in the past. Um, so if you say to yourself, well, I'm a U.S. company, they're not going to come sue me out of the EU, um, they will find a way. So it, it is binding legislation. Uh, it's, it's binding not, legislation for any company that touches EU citizen so, data. So any company operating in the EU has to adhere Absol to these guidelines. 100%. And they'll, they'll be in violation. They'll have to pay a fine. They'll have to whatever. The fines are staggering. So um, I think the next 12 months are going to be really interesting around how companies deal with um, GDPR coming into full force and the fact that other countries are going to be following very closely what happens there and then mirror their own legislation to follow. Okay. Um, last time we, we, we talked and we met, we were at DEF CON 25 last year, and you were working on a SDR workshop there. And so apparently you've got something else lined up this year. Tell me about that. I got a whole bunch of stuff on the go. So DEF CON 25 was amazing. Uh, it was a great experience. 50 people who were so excited to spend four hours with me and, and my partner learning about the world of software-defined radio and using it for scanning all sorts of neat radio systems. Um, my understanding was the feedback was fantastic, so much so that DEF CON themselves invited me to travel with them to Beijing in a few weeks and teach another SDR scanning radio workshop at the first DEF CON in Beijing, which is coming up very soon. Wow. I'm super stoked and, I mean, I'm humbled and flattered that, that people think that I have something that I can teach and that people actually really want to learn. It's it's amazing to be able to, to contribute to the community in that way. Um, I'm also hosting a contest at DEF CON 26. Uh, What's that? So I'm a big radio nerd. You know that. Um, we're big into ham radio and stuff. So I'm doing uh, the first DEF CON fox hunt. And a fox hunt for people who aren't into radio is basically we hide a bunch of little microtransmitters all over the place that either broadcast intermittently or in code or Morse code or, or whatever. And uh, we're going to teach people how to use radio direction finding techniques to be able to find these little transmitter bugs, we call them, and uh, give everybody a trophy at the end. Um, this is going to be a really fun, just kind of teach people the basics type contest as there's no prize for first place. I'm literally going to buy a stack of like really silly trophies at like the Salvation Army. And I just, you know, we're going to give people a map with a rough idea of where all the transmitters are so they, they at least get a hint. Mm -hmm. And if people get really stuck, you know, uh, I got a whole bunch of ideas in my head. Maybe I'm going to tie it into a PBX somewhere and they have to call in to get the next hint. You know, I that got a million fun. ideas in my head. Um, they were really excited when I proposed that contest and uh, I can't wait to do it. Um, I also recently got my ham radio examiner examiner certificate so I can, uh, I can actually give You're, licensing exams. Are you going to do that at DEF CON? So because I'm Canadian, um, I can give the Canadian exam, and I'm trying to connect with some U.S. examiners to see if we can all get together and do a training session, teach people the basics of ham radio, and then some people can proctor the U.S. exam, and Canadians who are visiting can proctor the Canadian exam, and then we can do a license exam right on site. So if anybody's listening and is a U.S. examiner and is going to DEF CON, reach out. I would love to touch base with you. Maybe we can put together a little examination session for people who really want to get a ham radio license. I already have a license in, um, in the U.S., can I get one for Canada too? Yes. So if I bring this guy, 
Vince just pulled out a little handy talkie. Right now, right now, I got to tune into the radio station. But um, so what I can I, I can use my radio to triangulate where something physically is. Correct. Just by what it sets off like a like a beacon or, or something or so like a pulse or depending something. Depending on the radio you're using, there'll be a single strength meter, uh-huh. and it'll tell you the strength of the signal. And you may, you know, we're gonna have a couple that are really easy to find. And they're always broadcasting, and then you can just point your antenna, sweep a little bit, uh-huh. see how the signal strength changes, and then kind of like get a little closer. You may have someone else with you helping to triangulate where he or she is you know 20 feet on the other side and they're sweeping their antenna you know we may have a couple big yaggy antennas that you can plug into your ht and use that with a headset and and uh you know there's going to be some more difficult ones to find but there's going to be some really easy ones to find to kind of wet people's appetite for this stuff but on the licensing thing um you can get a license if you were in Canada and wanted to operate in Canada, but it's not really much of a need to because most of these countries in ham radio have what we call reciprocal operating agreements where you can use your license as an American in Canada and get the same operating privileges that you have with your U.S. license. I just got one. I have one in the U.S. Sorry, I got, I've got. i had a U.S. and a Canadian license for years and years only because I'd lived in the U.S. at the time and I just wanted a, a U.S. call sign, so I got one. Cool. Awesome. Well, Richard Henderson of Absolute Software, the global security strategist at Absolute, I absolutely appreciate hanging out with you again for the second time. It's been a pleasure, and I look forward to seeing you at DEF CON, and if if I can swing it, I'd I'd like to get in on this fox hunt. It sounds like it'd be a good time. Yeah, it's open to pretty much anybody. Um, It takes very little effort to get started, and we're going to have a bunch of hams there who can help people who don't have ham radio licenses, Uh and give them, you know, they can show them how the radio works, and you know, might give them a scanner instead of a a transmitter, Uh Uh, but the whole intent of this was to just kind of get people interested in it and understand, you know, how fun it is to go run around and listen for signals. And also, um, if people want to catch up with you on the internet and uh, read about the the Dark Endpoint report, how can they find that? So um, our report isn't live yet, but it will be on absolute.com soon enough. Um, But if you want to reach out to me, I'm on Twitter at at RichSentMe, R-I-C-H-S-E-N-T-M-E. I love the Twitters, so feel free to reach out anytime. Thanks, Richard. Thanks for having me, Vince. It's great. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vince in the Bay podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Check out my blog at vincentthebay.com and hit me up on Twitter at Vince in the Bay. Until next time, ciao.